So, welcome everybody to yet another live interview with Become a Fearless Father. And today I got Dustin with me. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Um, if Tom is watching, thanks Tom for introducing us. I appreciate that. That's the best way to get connected. And know for a fact that you're going to have another amazing live interview. So, Dustin, the bar said hi. Let's start off with the first question, and then we're going to go dive in a little bit deeper into your background story. I want to know this. What is the number one challenge for people to create a passive income? I think it's a fantastic question because I get that all the time. Mm -hmm. um, it really comes down to getting the, I wouldn't say the nerve, but like getting the uh, the drive to get past the thought that we have to work an hour of our life and get paid a dollar. We're told that ever since we're, you know, little, little kids, you know, you do your chores and you make money or then you go to school and you get taught that you become an employee and you make money by being an employee. And so what I've, I had to get myself out of that thought or that thinking pattern that you work an hour, you make money. And the people that I work with that I help them learn how to invest in real estate rental properties is that if you have passive income, you work one time and you make money over and over and over again. But what's hard is it's not as easy as getting a job. You know, it's going to somebody and say, hey, can I have a job? And they get a job, and you start working for them. That's, that's easy. There's really no risk there at all. In order to do passive income, you have to get over the thought of having risk and that risk entering into your life and you overcoming that risk and that fear that comes with putting yourself forward and investing either your money or your time in things that don't necessarily give you an automatic return. Just like if you're working a job, you get an automatic return because you work an hour, you get paid an hour. This is totally different. Now it's getting that mindset, getting that shift to where you get rid of the fear, get past all the risk and you actually move forward and do it. Nice. I like that. Yep. Definitely sounds like uh, you have had this question <laughs> more times than just <laughs> this time. So I appreciate that. Look, people, if you're watching this, I actually just put in the link to Dustin's website. It's still correct, right? Yes, it is. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm going to click that real quick away so people saw it. However, I'm also going to put it in the comment section so people can easily click the link. So if you want to get some more insights on what Dustin is doing, just click on the link, get to his website and enjoy it. I checked it out. It looks absolutely tip top. So um, please go and watch that. That said, um, Dustin, I, I'd love to hear your background and um, what's always important for me and the viewers is also your family setup, of course, so people can get an understanding of a, um, ah, this is easy, you only have one until people actually hear how many kids you have, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I've been married for oh, a little over 13 years now and praise the Lord, we have a beautiful wife and four amazing kids. And on top of that, we also homeschool. Like my wife does all the hard work. She's the one doing the homeschooling. Mm -hmm. Like in fact, in the other room, she's the one doing the homeschooling literally right now. And so, um, you know, our oldest is 11 all the way. To, I think our youngest is uh, six years old now, but she's homeschooling all of them. So yeah, we, I love being with my family. I, my goal from, I think age of like 
12 was to never have to work for somebody and be financially independent. So I had a paper route or like basically you get newspapers and you throw them door to door, you sell them door to door, but you throw them. And, and so I did that at the very beginning and then went into, got a job and I realized that was horrible. And then I got another job, realized that was horrible. I just kept getting jobs, realizing how bad it was working for somebody else. And so I thought to myself, you know what? I need to start a business. I need to start something that where I'm the actual owner. Eventually after starting uh, convenience stores, um, a website graphic design company, even a skateboard manufacturing company. I, I started many, many businesses. The one that was the easiest that make made me the most money was real estate and owning rental properties, not flipping properties, not buying one and then fixing it up and flipping it, not doing that, not wholesaling or tax liens or deeds. It's really just getting rental properties, buying one property, fixing it up so that a tenant would move in and that tenant moves in and then I make money because their rent exceeds the expenses. So that difference is passive income that I make. And so I was about 26 years old, right after the time I got married, like we just got married. And within like six months, I told my wife, hey, babe, I'm going to take every bit of money we have and buy a rental property. And she was really uh, wholeheartedly against it. But fast forward now, 10 years later, after we started, um, I was able to quit my job. So when I was 37 years old, I quit my job and actually, I think in just a couple of days, June 6th, I'm gonna be 40 years old and I'm never gonna have a job again. And I'm just super blessed to have that. So I just kept buying one property after another, after another. And now if you're thinking of in America, there's California. So it's on the um, West Coast, if I, I'm looking at the camera, the West Coast of California or America. I lived in California, but then I invested over in Ohio, which is like 30,000 or like 3,000 miles away or 10,000 miles away, I don't know how far, but it's very, very far away. And I started buying one property after another, and I built up a business around my properties so that it runs itself. That's how I'm able to travel all over the world. Like this last year, we went for a six week vacation with my four kids and my wife all through Europe, went to 11 different countries and had a blast. Year before that, we went to Japan for six weeks, drove around the island of Japan. Next, I think our next big trip is going to be um, four weeks in the East Coast of America, seeing all the historical sites like Washington, D.C. and all that stuff. Eventually, want to go to Italy, Spain as well. It would be really, really great. So we just love being together. I love being a dad. I love being a husband. And I love being with my family. Awesome, man. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. I love that you not just only share about your background, but also a little bit about, hey, look, this is why I'm doing it. And, you know, we get to travel, which is your passion, right? And whatever that is, just focus on that because I, I think that's working for you as well. Um, I definitely got some more questions in regards to real estate, but I'm assuming if people are like, man, I also want to do, you know, get a passive income. Is real estate then the only way of doing that? Or I know if it's worked for you, but have you seen others creating that passive income using other strategies or vehicles? Because in the end, it's a vehicle, right? Absolutely. There are many, many ways. So mm. everything from having a podcast where you're getting um, affiliates, affiliate income, you know, promoting other things and they pay you money. Um, it could be having a blog. It could be writing books. I've, I have um, four different books that I've written. I sell those on Amazon and other places. And so I make money from there. Um, so if you're creative right now, actually with 
the internet and with podcasting, blogging, and everything online is one of the best times to actually do passive income. You know, back before the internet, it was really hard to do passive income because there wasn't ways, easy ways for people to get you money and you get them the things like a book or a, um, a, a podcast or a course. Now with the internet, there are so many great ways that you can get passive income because there are great ways that you can reach people. It's all about, in my opinion, business is and should be all about serving people, helping take care of a need or a problem that they have. And in return of you helping them and taking care of that need or that problem, they'll pay you and pay you for your time and everything that you produce for them. So right now, I believe there's no better time to do passive income other than now. So definitely get started now. But there are so many different ways to get passive income. But honestly, in my opinion, real estate rental properties, because I've tried as many as I can. I've, I've literally like researched every single passive income way. And I found after doing all of them, rental properties was the absolute easiest because I hire people like property managers, realtors, um, accountants, uh, contractors, roofers, plumbers, electricians. I hire all those people. They do all the work and I literally don't do anything like I for all my business in my real estate business. I have 30 plus properties. I do maybe 30 minutes of work a month, like the entire month. I don't do anything else. Just 30 minutes. And that's just getting the, the receipts and the um, statement from the property manager, looking at it, make sure everything lines up and then pff, I'm good to go. So that's my opinion is rental property is one of the best ways you can do it. Wow, it sounds really good. So I got a question on that um, because for me, you mentioned like risk and fear are like what, you know, what holds us back. And like, once I'm thinking that it's like, wow, who you mentioned, like, I got to have this one and this one, you, you have all kinds of guys. So my first question is in masterpassiveincome.com, is this where you teach others to be able to set this up? And how, how do you have that set up for them? Yeah. So thank you. I, I solely talk about on my podcast, Master Passive Income podcast, masterpassiveincome.com, and all my books, I solely talk about rental properties because there are plenty of ways to invest in real estate, but I I don't really do any of those because they take mm -hmm. a lot of work. I want to do the easiest one, which is buying one property one time and then letting other people do the work. So yes, all everything I talk about is uh, how to actually do the business, building up the business from scratch, being able to build that business to where then it runs itself. And each new property that you put into the business is another piece of inventory that runs your business that makes you money every single month. So yes, I, I solely talk about that. And I also do coaching and I have courses as well that I, I love working with students. And um, you know, somebody asked me, I think it was like maybe last week, like late last week, um, he said, hey, don't you ever get tired of talking about real estate? And I said, you know what's funny? I actually don't. Like, I really get excited when I get to talk about it, not because of real estate in itself, but because what real estate affords me to do. I literally mm -hmm. don't work. And I have, I just basically spend time with my family. I get to go do things with my, my kids and my wife, and I literally don't have a job. And so that's what excites me about real estate and what I'm able to do in helping other people to do the exact same thing. Exactly. That's amazing. Yeah. And as you said, serve others, right? That, that, it's absolutely amazing. Um, I've noticed that that's what lights me up as well. Um, so I, I can definitely share that passion. Um, so let me ask you this because you mentioned like my properties were like 3000 miles away from where you were, right? Mm -hmm. Would it be the same for you if you would be here um, to get properties, for example, in Spain or any other countries? Or does that bring, it probably brings a lot of constriction, but 
theoretically, would that be possible? So I love that question. Um, now, I personally believe that there are only a few reasons why you should not invest in real estate. Number one, literally nobody wants to live there. Like it's it's in the middle of a desert or it's like on the in like the um, Antarctica or it's where people literally do not live. That's where you should not rent. And here's the thing that I realized, as long as people are in the area, they have to live somewhere. They have to go someplace and, you know, sleep at night and and um, you know, tuck their kids in bed and all that. And so as long as you have a spot or a place that actually has a population where people want to live, that is where you want to invest. Um, now, the other thing I would say is if there is a government that would actually take away your property, that might not be the best. So I'm not <laughs> saying any country or anything in the in the world is a bad place to invest. Only, only thing I'm saying is if it can be taken away from you with, you know, without any um, uh, hesitation or nobody wants to live there. Those are the two stipulations. Now, what's interesting is I have a number of students that do not live in America. They don't they're not actually citizens of America, but they're either investing in their own country or around their country or they're actually investing in America, which is really, really neat. I have a couple that they live in Switzerland and prices are really high. I mean, like it's crazy how high they are and they want to get passive income. And so they're working with me and they're investing in America, buying mm. properties for so much cheaper, making passive income. There's now there's hurdles they're saying you got to do in order to get to where you as a foreign, a foreigner can actually buy properties and have a bank account and a business set up. But it's just another thing that you got, it's a cost of doing business. You just, you know, build that business up. Then once they have that business, they can just buy wherever they want. And so, yeah, I personally believe America is a great place to invest. But all over the world, as long as you your rents, in, um, they exceed your expenses, you make that passive income in the middle. As long as you can do that, and that's one thing I show all my students how to do, as long as you can do that, you're making passive income. And all over the world, it's absolutely possible. Nice, man. That sounds amazing. So one of the other fears or risks that comes in my head is, um, or thoughts right away, is like, okay, yeah, I must have like tons of money to start this off. Right. And I'm sure you get that <laughs> all the time. You hear that a lot as well. Yeah, exactly. So what's your response on that? So when I first started, I did not have very much money. I literally didn't have any experience. I didn't have any knowledge. I just had the desire to get passive income. I thought, let me just try it. So I did everything wrong. You know, I bought my first property um, that, that way, paid way too much. I had a property manager that started stealing from me. There's so many bad things that happened, mm -hmm. but I've learned along the way after, I guess, 13 years now, 14 years of investing, I've fine-tuned it to where it's a step-by-step -step process to get all those issues out because I've experienced them. Um, but a big one that everybody comes up with, and I was in the same boat, I literally, when I got married, I didn't have any money. I had very little debt, maybe a couple thousand dollars, but I usually paid it off every month, And but I didn't have any savings. And when we got married, uh, my wife brought in, I don't know, four or $5,000 of her savings. We had a little bit of money from um, our wedding. But what I started to do was I decided, you know what, I'm gonna definitely knock out all my debt. I'm going to increase the amount of income that I make and I'm gonna cut my expenses because I need money to buy properties. Now, there are ways to buy properties with low or no money down, but it's actually really, really hard. I mean, there's a reason why very few people do it is because mm. it's a lot of work. I mean, it's almost like a full-time, if not, it is a full-time job finding properties for low or no money down. It's a lot of work. And so I'm, I want to do things the easy way. So um, I, I worked hard to save money, make money, put money in my pocket. Now, here's what I did. I actually took $17,000 of just scrimping and saving and everything that my wife had, cut out debt, 
and bought my first property, like literally every penny of it. And we just got married in, in I think it was May. We got married and by, I want to say December, I, I had my first property, but right in the middle there, like we got married in May and July. I said, you know what, honey, I'm going to take every bit of pet, like every money that we have, every bit of money we have and buy our first property. So what are you talking about? You know, we didn't, we didn't ever talk about it beforehand, but after anyways. So with, for most people, there are great incentives, especially in America to buy properties with very low money. Like I'll give you a quick example in America, there's a thing called an FHA loan. It's a federal housing administration loan, and you only need to put three and a half percent down. So let's just give you round numbers. If you're buying a hundred thousand dollar house, you only need to put down $3,500 for that property. And it can be an investment property. You absolutely can't have it be an investment property. And so, um, it, you long story short, you can have very, very little bit of money put down on a property. Now there are ways, like I said, where you can do buy with low or no money down. There's a lot of work and I show people how to do that as well. But yeah, the, my, my advice, if you really want to get into investing, work hard on cutting out debt, getting rid of your expenses or lowering your expenses and increasing your income so you can save money, basically paying yourself per, first, putting your money in your pocket so you can use that to invest. Mm. Yeah. I like that. Um, I like that, especially because uh, what was it? Uh, yesterday, yesterday I had a call with my client and he was mentioning to me that um, he's still in nine to five and working his way to get out of it by creating passive income. Right. And he was listening with a colleague uh, to uh, the four hour work week. And the guy was sitting next to him and he's like, oh, man, I want that, too. And blah, blah. blah. And, you know, it just it's just talk. And in the end, nothing happens. And he was mentioning like a lot of the people at his job are not enjoying their work. And they want to get out, but that's it. They want to get out, and that's where it stops. And that's <laughs> that's usually where it stops. Yeah, they 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 know that they want to do something. Something needs to happen, but they don't take the step forward. Either number one, they don't know the step, or number two, they don't try to actually take the step to get out. Now, it, you're not going. Nothing's going to change unless you make a change. Mm. And so that's something I had to do. I had to make myself make that change, buy that first property, and then keep going from there. Yeah. Yeah. What you said earlier as well. Right. We've been taught a different way. Like we've been taught you, you, you work and especially when you get a father, you know, you have to provide and get that job and yada, yada, yada. So that makes it hard as well. You get, oh, yeah. you know, the, the conversations in your head that just keep bashing against each other. So I absolutely understand. Um, and I didn't know, like I just had a live interview or an interview with somebody today when I was being interviewed and I said, man, I wish I would have known the things 20 years ago that I don't know now. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, that's what it is, right? So from all of this, right, I'm, I'm very interested, and maybe you can serve my audience that way. What, what would be one of the biggest life lessons that you can share with us as, as a dadpreneur? As a what? As a dadpreneur. Oh, a dadpreneur. Um, for me, I think it really comes down to, let's see, the biggest life lesson Number one would be education, not necessarily college education. I actually went to college, but I'm teaching my kids. And I actually, or my wife, she's she's the tough one. I have the easy job of making money. My wife has the hard job of teaching the kids. And she's literally doing that right now. We're homeschooling the kids. Um, so even though I went to college, I'm really realizing right now that prices are astronomical. They're so, you know, in university, they're so expensive. And mm -hmm. they teach you things that you probably don't necessarily need to learn, I think, going to college or university should be learning how to make money, but they teach you things that you probably don't need. And I want my kids 
to learn how to make money. And so education is huge for myself, number one, but also for the things that I'm doing with my children, teaching mm -hmm. them how to invest in real estate. One, one thing was really fantastic. It was about a month ago. Um, so all of my kids, we whenever they make any bit of money, either from a bank um, or sorry, if they, if they make money, if they you know work for chores and they make money from their birthday party, they, they make money. All Anytime they get money in their pocket, what we do is we break it down with them. We say, okay, I want you to learn how to invest and I want you to learn how to have responsibility for your money. So at the very beginning, we take it, let's say it's $10. They've learned that 10% goes to God. We give it to God, we give it to charity, we give it to our church, man, it's something to, that we can give back, number one. Number two, we take 50% of that to the total and we put that into savings. I was never taught to save. And so I want them to learn how to save. And so what I did with my wife is, Ever since they've been born, they take half of it and put it into a savings account. And now I have it in a bank account where every month they run over, hey, daddy, can I see how much interest we got in the bank? Oh, yeah, sure. And I pull it up and they can each see their own account and see how much they make. And on top of that, I also want them to learn responsibility. And so what I give them is the understanding that things cost money. Electricity, our sheets for our beds, the food, our house. Things cost money and we all pitch in. And so 20% goes to mommy to pay for all these things. And they, they are learning responsibility. And the last 20% they can do with whatever they want, you know, spend it or save it, which it's funny. They actually said, daddy, can I put it in my bank account? Because I want to save more money so I can get more interest. And it's like a competition now. My 11-year-old is trying to beat the 10-year-old who they just keep going up and up and up. They keep putting more money in the bank account, which is great. And so I'm teaching that. So in all, in my opinion, education is really, really key, but right education. Now going to college or going to a university, you're not gonna learn specific things that could be something that you could you could um, actually take away with. And this is something that I give to a lot of my students. I help them to understand, you know, so I have a, an online course that I sell and the ultimate goal of this course is that you never have to work a job again. Or I also do coaching where I coach people one-on-one -on -one how to do the business and they will never have to work a job again. And I ask them if they're, they're thinking, oh, you know, hey, your course is $2,000, you know, wow, that's a lot of money. I think, well, let me ask you a question. How much money did you spend on your college or your university? Usually it's like 30, 40, 50, 60, $70,000. I have one student that was $100,000 or more. And I said, you know, my, my course is only $2,000. And in the end, you're going to have a business that runs itself and you can make sure that you keep putting more properties in. And in 10 years, you're not going to need a job. Like, why would you have $100,000 in debt, spend four or five, six years of your life wasting that time and hopefully get a job? Why not put that education in the right place and learn things that are actually going to help you to where you make money, where you literally don't have to work anymore. And so that's what I'm teaching my kids. And here's the last thing that I did everything wrong from the very beginning. I didn't get a mentor. I didn't get a coach. I didn't learn anything. I just said, I'm just going to buy a property. I flew out to Ohio, 3000 miles away, bought that first property and didn't know what I was doing way overpaid and all that sort of stuff. And the property manager started stealing from me. Now, fast forward, I've had to been able to create a system where I have many different cities and states that I invest in and I build that business everywhere. And I teach all my students and I'm actually even teaching my kids the exact same thing that they are going to be able to buy a property and then with that property, make money and never need a job. So my big thing is education. Nice, that's definitely a great lesson. And I picked another one out there and you know, have a mentor, have a good coach that can guide you along the way. I, I keep being amazed about how many people have challenges and keep trying 
spend so much time and heartache on getting rid of that challenge while so many of us <laughs> before us have already gone through the challenge and have done us a service by sharing how they solved it successfully. And we still think that it's necessary to solve it on our own. It's mind boggling, man. <laughs> so I appreciate you sharing that. Let me ask you this, because I'm very interested in that. Uh, as my kids are very young still, they're three and five, actually, uh, my oldest one is about to turn six. So it's about time that we're gonna you know, dive a little bit more into the, the whole money aspect and, and all that kind of stuff. So you mentioned before um, that, you know, giving money for chores is like the same thing as, you know, you have a job and that's how you get money. How do you got it set up for your kids where they um, start earning or, yeah, start building their their wealth, so to say, if you can say that for little kids. But, yeah, you understand what I mean. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, here, well, here's a, here's a blanket thing that I, I will definitely say. We don't pay our kids for chores. Like they, it's a privilege to be in this family. There's a reason why you're able to go for six weeks and travel through Europe. You're able to go for six mm -hmm. weeks go to Japan or go to the East Coast for four weeks or every trip that we do. Like there's a reason why that that you're here and you're blessed to be in this family that we all pitch in. Like daddy works hard, mommy works hard, you work hard. You, it's it's a privilege to be in this family. And in my mm -hmm. opinion, every family. And I think every kid should learn the what it takes is hard work just for responsibilities for your family. You take care of your family. You, I don't get paid to, to you know mow the lawn, my own lawn. I don't get paid that. So why would you mm -hmm. get paid? And so that's a blanket statement is for any chores that the, all my kids do, it's a privilege and it's a blessing to be in this family. And this is a responsibility. Now, above and beyond that, when they start earning their own money, there's a couple different ways that they earn money. Obviously, birthdays from grandparents and other things like in Christmas and stuff, they make money that way. But for us, with homeschooling is a great way that they love making money. So you may think, well, you know, how do you how do they make money when they are homeschooling? Well, here's what happens. So each semester, so there's two semesters in a year. And so each semester they have, I want to say four or five different textbooks, you know, math or reading or spelling or whatever, like just four or five different ones. And so in a year, they'll have eight to 10 different books that they have to actually go through. And mommy takes them through that. Each time they finish a book, they make $10. And so they get so happy when they actually finish the book, they actually get $10. They run over, hey, daddy, I finished a book because daddy's the one that he's the principal. So I, I'm the one to pay him. And so mm -hmm. it's just like, hey, you're working hard for your education. Let me go ahead and pay you and, and emphasize not the work around the house because that's a responsibility as a family. We do that together. This is something that's extra that's going to benefit you in the future. So work hard towards that. And so now what's actually really interesting, my wife decided to start learning how to crochet. Crochet is you get you know um, yarn and you knit it together. It's not knitting, but it's like crocheting. But anyways, scarves and beanies and all that sort of stuff. And my daughter, she's 11 years old. She said, you know what? I could learn this and I could start selling things. And what was really interesting in the last, I want to say two months, she's made and she's 11 years old with her friends, with her homeschooling groups, um, PE and park days, with her friends, she's made like 60 to 80, I can't remember, it's either $80 or $60, just from selling things to her friends. And now with that money, like she's very entrepreneurial, now we're taking that money, I'm walking her through and say, okay, you made $20 today. How much is that half of it goes into savings, 10% goes to God, 20% goes to mommy, and we work out those numbers. And so as they're starting to build their knowledge on how to make money they're learning how to save it how to invest it and how to pay for responsibilities at the same time that's awesome i like it so you immediately said and i've heard this before a lot of 
kids around the age 10, 11, they start to become really entrepreneurial. What, what do you think triggered that? Have you is, is it something that you were really pushing towards or is it something that develops? I would love to hear your insight on that. So I think, well, there's, there's two parts. Number one, yes, it is learned as well as innate. So when I, when I mean that is they see daddy, not, I used to have a job and they knew me when I had a job. Then mm -hmm. I quit my job. We moved from California to Phoenix, about 600 miles away uh, for many, many different reasons, but we're blessed to be here in Phoenix and Arizona. And so they knew me before when I had a job. Now they know me now. And like, daddy doesn't have to work. You know, other daddies go to work and daddy can be with us all day, every day. So they see the benefit and they know the business. Oh, here's a big thing I'm going to tell you. With my kids, they know everything about my business. Now, when I was growing up, I didn't know anything about finances. I didn't know how my parents were doing. They never talked about it. They never taught me anything about finances. I had to learn it on my own. But now I'm teaching my kids everything about our home finances, not necessarily how much we're making, but how we make money, how we save money and what we're doing with our money. I mean, we have plenty of money, but I don't tell them what we have. I teach them to live frugally. And like, if they say, hey daddy, can we have quarters? I have plenty of quarters for a video game. But I'm like, no, that's expensive. And that's a waste of money. You have money, go and spend your own money. And they start thinking, oh, you're right. That's, that's a waste of money. And so they don't, <laughs> which is great. So what I do with my kids, is I encourage them to, as they are, they're, they're starting to, to realize that making money is something you can do. Like my daughter, when I said it's, it's innate inside of her, as opposed to like my next youngest or next oldest. So I have my daughter, uh, she's 11 and my son, who's going to be turning 10 in next month. Um, so he is less entrepreneurial. My daughter is more entrepreneurial. But between the two of them, they see what daddy does and it affords us to be able to travel and do whatever we want. So I both teach them, but also I realize something's innate inside of them. So the ones that have it innate inside of them, I just encourage and spur that on. Like just yesterday I said, hey, honey, I'm so proud of you. You're making money and you're able to, to make something out of nothing. And this is how you make money. It's great. Now, my, my son, who's younger, he's less entrepreneurial. He loves you know, animals. He loves playing with, with, you know, his, his dogs and we have chickens and all. He loves being active. And so I have to encourage in him, Hey, what are you thinking about this? Or how would you be able to make money in that regard? So basically just educating them. Mm. But uh, in my opinion, just because they see me doing something, they want to be just like daddy, which is one of the best ways of trying to teach my kids. Exactly. Yeah. I like that. I appreciate that. Yeah. That's one of the things that I see and maybe you've seen that as well when you when you take your kids to like a playground or something you know it's all moms and grandparents and there's like hardly any dads around there which is still kind of sad i think yeah absolutely but at the same time i'm enjoying myself so i can't feel too sad for too long sorry all you dads that have to have a nine to five still <laughs> yeah, but, hey look you just learned about dustin and his website look i'm going look i'm going to do you everybody that's listening and watching this and still has a nine to five and doesn't know how to get out i'm sharing the website again it's in the comment section as well go check this guy out it's now you know it is possible i mean you see dustin so take action um i prefer you stop listening to this now and take action and go to that website then continue for another half an hour even and though it's one thing yeah one thing i'll give everybody for anybody who would like to learn, if they, if it's even possible that you would want to invest in time into your knowledge, if you want to invest in real estate, I have a free course. It's basically a seven day course that'll walk you through the process to give you a good understanding. Hey, is this the right thing to do? And it'll even give you the steps to actually do it. 
So mm. if you so masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course, all one word, F-R-E-E-C-O-U-R-S-E, just free course. And I'll give that to you, free course, And you'll be able to, basically everything that I know is inside there. Look at that. Not just getting value, you're also getting gifts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't quit now. I still got 29 minutes, but hey, we got everything out of you. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, I got to ask you a question. What does the word dadpreneur mean to you? It means that I am taking care of my family and nobody else is. That's really boils everything down. The, a big reason, and I didn't realize this until later, when I first started going down the route of passive income and real estate was because I wanted to be financially independent and I didn't want to depend on anybody for a job. Like my boss could literally fire me at any time for whatever reason. And I didn't want to have that. I wanted to be completely independent. Now being a dadpreneur is absolutely something where I take very seriously, where if I don't make money for our family, my family doesn't eat. We don't have a house to live in. We don't have the ability to do the things that we want to do. And so I take it so seriously that even though I have enough rental properties where I'd never have to work, I still love to work. I still love buying more properties. I still love teaching people how to invest. I still love being proactive and doing things. And there's a term that I use instead of calling myself retired or retired early, instead of using that, that term, because, and the reason why I don't use that term is because many people that I've said that to, oh yeah, I'm retiring at 37, or I did retire at 37. They think, well, you know, that kind of, it's great, but isn't that boring? Like, what, you just sit around and watch TV all day? And I'm like, absolutely not. So I changed the term from being retired or early retirement to quitting my job. I, I quit my job and you see on my shirt, it says successfully unemployed. And so I am successfully unemployed where it means like, I will never need to be employed again. And I still work. I love working. I love mm -hmm. building value. I love serving people. I love helping people and in turn, taking care of my family. So it's very vital that for me, that I'd make sure my family has the things that they need, that they have a roof over their head, that they have food on the table and it's on me to take care of all that. And being a dadpreneur is where I'm building businesses that take care of that as opposed to working a job. Mm. I like that. I appreciate your thoughts on that. Thank you. Um, what I'm wondering as well, because I noticed that you got a lot of um, courses and for the people that wanted to know, I just shared the link as well in the comment section to go to the free course. Um, what is your, I want to go into a couple of strategies. Um, what's your strategy to gain clients or gain people to go and, um, well, pretty much buy your courses or, you know, start hiring you as a, as a coach? Really what it comes down to is being as giving as possible, giving out as much free content as I can through my podcast, the Master Passive Income podcast to um, my, my website, even my books, like everywhere. I'm just trying to give as much free content out there because it's hard for somebody to take that first step into buying real estate. And if I just give them fluff, they're not really going to take the step. And mm. so what I do is I be as service oriented as possible, as friendly and encouraging as possible in helping them to realize that real estate is absolutely the route that you're going to be able to go. And when you do that, I'll be there with you. And so what I found is, and a big thing that has helped me when I started my podcast, I really found that people started gravitating more towards me because if you read a book, 
you, when you when you read the book, you get the knowledge, but you don't get the person's personality and how much they actually care and how much they want to see you succeed and their passion for it. And so mm -hmm. you don't really see that. And if you're reading a blog post or an article on a website, you don't necessarily feel that as well. Now, when you get a podcast or YouTube videos or something where the personality comes out and it's like, hey, I really want to see you succeed. That was what really helped me with my business and my other side business is helping people to invest in real estate with the coaching and the courses is really getting my personality and showing people, hey, I'm just doing this because I want to help. I want to see you succeed. And so since I've been doing that, so much more people just, they, they love the content number one that I'm putting out for free. But then also I get so many people that enter my course and the coaching and they think, this is so amazing. Cause honestly, I'll, I'll definitely break it down and say that everything that I give away for free, and there's only so much time that I can give away stuff for free, or there's only so much ability of giving stuff away for free. Like I only have a once a week podcast and mm -hmm. articles that I put out are, you know, once a week. And so there's only so much to give. And the course is basically a huge course and all the coaching is huge that everything you get out, give out for free is 10% of what it takes to actually run the business right and to be successfully unemployed. And so once people get into the course, I, I'll give you an example. Um, a little while ago, I had somebody say, hey, Dustin, why would I get in your course and your coaching? I have your podcast, that's for free. I have your articles on your website. I have your books. I mean, those are cheap. You know, those are like 10, 15 bucks. Like I have everything that you give away for free why would I need the course and why would I need the coaching? And I had to tell him that basically everything I gave away for free is 10% of what you're going to need to know. Like I walk you through every bit of the business. Now, what was great was he actually affirmed that. I think it was two weeks later after he got in the course, after he was learning, he wrote me an email said, Dustin, this course is fantastic. I'm so glad I took your advice because there's so much more in this business in order to do it right. Now that I have the education, now I can actually implement that in my business and I'll have an automatic business. So that is why I think giving out as much as you can, you know, obviously there's only limited amount of that you can actually give out, give mm -hmm. as much as you can for free. And then people are going to say, Hey man, this guy knows what he's talking about. He has passion for the business and he wants to help. And I like him. Number one, like if, if my personality turns off somebody, they're going to shut me off and move on, which is fine. And if somebody, mm -hmm. somebody likes it, they're going to leave it on and, and come to me and then we're going to work together. So that's how I have seen a, a good growth in my business, my online business with Master Passive Income. Nice. That's awesome. Um, and yeah, and, and then again, some people just only keep taking your free content, right? Which is, yeah, which is totally fine. I get people say that, um, like actually a couple of people that I've talked to recently. So there's an application process when somebody wants to go with coaching because mm -hmm. I have limited time and I only want to work with people that are passionate about it, that really want to do it. They have the ability to, and we actually work well together. And so in going through the application process, um, one person said, well, you know, you have a lot of great stuff and, but I'm going to continue learning from your podcast. I'm going to go that route. And I said, that's totally fine. That's why I have it. You go ahead and do it. But it, when you do need help, I'll be here for you. So absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, I understand that. Somebody actually shared with me. It's like, look, if you have the time, but not the money, then just do that. But if you have the money, then you want to go faster. You might want to well, invest a little well, bit. Not just faster. I'll give a big thing. Um, uh, the thought of if you're getting coaching, the big reason why you need to get coaching is to save yourself, your future self from losing money. I'll, when I when I first started, I lost tens of thousands of like 
at least twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars doing the business wrong. Everything from not evicting somebody when I should to buying a house that's way overpriced, or mm. losing money because somebody's stealing from me, or buying a house that needed to be entirely rewired for electrical, and that's another thirty-five hundred dollar expense. And like, man. All these things that I've just been losing money if I had somebody saying, hey, watch out for this, watch out for that. In fact, many of my coaching students, I actually say, hey, you, this is the route that you're going. I'm going to give you your option that you have, and I'm going to give you the roadblocks that are in the way and also the pitfalls in the way, and then mm -hmm. you make the right decision. So if I would have spent a couple thousand dollars on coaching, it would have saved me thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 in the long run over my the lifespan of my business, and I would have been you know, faster, you know, get to where I wanted to be. So Coaching is absolutely necessary, in my opinion. Yep. No, I absolutely agree. I've noticed the differences over the last 38 years and now the last two years, actually finally figuring out, like, hey, there's such a thing as a mentor or a coach, and it kind of helps. It sure does. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I'm checking the time. We still got some time. Good. So you mentioned, like, for example, you, you put a lot of free content on your podcast, right? Now... People have been telling me like, dude, you got a podcast. And I'm like, I'm kind of happy doing live interviews and doing live Facebook things. And but like, dude, it's so easy. Just grab the video, put it in anchor and you got your podcast. I'm like, okay, okay. So I started three months ago and then I started and I just put everything out there, you know, being just taking action. And you probably um, had the same experience in the beginning. It's like, it's crickets. It's just nothing there. And then all of a sudden somebody said like, dude, you're on iTunes. I'm like, oh really? I didn't know. <laughs> so little, little, it, it trickles. And lately it's just booming. Like uh, for me at the moment, it's big. I had a hundred plays in one day. So I was really excited. That's awesome. Very, uh, very cool. So I'm just wondering, man, what's, what's your experience in that? And what would be some of the tips that you can share with the audience that, you know, are thinking about our podcast or already having a podcast on how to, um, yeah, grow your podcast uh, in a, in a, in a fast way or in a, in a solid way, let's say like that. Sure. Now the biggest and best way in my opinion is helping. And it goes back to serving other people, helping other people um, mm -hmm. is going on other people's podcasts, even if they're podcasts and being interviewed, either a YouTube video or podcast or anchor or something like that. Even if it's somebody who has a very, very small amount of listeners or followers or, or something like that, be open to just helping other people out. Now, my podcast is pretty good size, and I'm, I'm very blessed to have my podcast. And I get hit up all the time. Hey, can you be on my podcast? Can you be on my podcast? And that's time taken up. You know, I love being with my family. I'd rather be with my family as opposed to doing something else. But I realize that I want to give back. But on mm. top of the giving back, who knows that the next time that somebody's going to be listening to somebody else's obscure podcast just because they like it, but they're a big name in something and they like, hey, I like this guy. Let me talk to him. You never know when it's actually going to work out. So in my opinion, one of the best things that you can do, well, number one is start a podcast. If you have the thought and idea to do a podcast, it is so easy. Like It literally takes me from beginning to end, even with editing, it probably takes me about two hours at most to do a podcast and I do it once a week. And I get so many more people finding about me and the business and real estate because of the podcast. So number one, you absolutely should do it. It's, it's really not as hard as, it, as you think. But number two, give back and try to be on as many other podcasts as possible. Even if they have small audiences, you never know what's going to happen. But in doing that, you know, people who listen to podcasts, they also try to find other podcasts to listen to. Or if they're on a YouTube channel, they try to find other YouTube channels. And so they consume that content from that one medium. 
you know, podcast, YouTube, articles, books, or whatever. So try to be everywhere as best you can and be as available as you can to help people out. Nice. I like that. But that brings me with something. <laughs> New question comes in right away because I, I've heard that a lot, right? Get on other people's podcasts. So I've been inviting a lot of people to come on my podcast um, successfully and unsuccessfully. But in general, I got some really nice people on, like you, for example. And in this case, it was even, you know, thanks to to Tom um, who, who got us connected, right? However, getting on other people's um, podcasts, that for me is still a challenge, right? Now, you mentioned, like, once you're growing, all of a sudden people start asking you, right? Which, which has happened um, three times so far, or people just, you know, doing a favor and saying, like, hey, man, I really connected well with you. Come on the show. But what's in the beginning? What what is a strategy? Maybe you use a strategy to get on other people's podcasts. My biggest thought, um, there, there, one route that you could go is hiring a company to actually reach out to other podcasters. I get emails all the time from people. Hey, what do you think about this person? It's a, basically a um, a service that they somebody buys into. They send emails to me, and then I respond or don't usually I don't and so um, mm. what I would suggest is don't go that route because that's a lot of money my personal opinion is Facebook groups that have either um, a podcast you know aud not audience but like other podcasters in a group where they're encouraging people how to do podcasts um, podcast conferences are fantastic where you meet a lot of other podcasters and you just get to know them one-on-one -on -one. hey you're cool I'll have you on the show so when you're in um, you go to conferences for podcasting Number one, try to meet as many people as you can. Like that's networking. That's your biggest thing. When you go to conferences, go to network, meet as many people as you can. From there, you could hopefully get on some people's podcasts just by asking, you know, talking about it. And they might say, hey, I'll have you on, and which is great. But also inside those conferences, you can find podcast groups inside those conferences where people all the time, like I'm in a couple podcast groups for conferences that people just say, hey, I need a, an, um, uh, an interviewee for, you know, this coming up next week or somebody talking about this or, hey, sign up to, you know, pitch if you want to be on the show and all that sort of stuff. And so mm. what's great is you don't have to really go out and finding them. They're already there and they're already asking. You could even say, hey, you know, I talk about this. Is anybody interested in having um, me share with their audience on this? And so it's really networking is the best thing that you can do in order to get to where other people can have you on their podcast. But then also with name recognition, as you get your podcast gets bigger, more people find you, people just reach out to you and say, hey, mm -hmm. come on. But until then, I would say network with as many people as you can. And the first quick, easiest step, find Facebook groups where it's podcasters only, you know, only not the listeners, but the actual people who do the podcasting and then get in that group, be active. Don't just be a, a spammy person. Hey, can I be on yours? Hey, can I be on yours? No, be active, be helping people get to know you. Hey, this guy's cool. Let's, let's have him on. So that would be my first suggestion. And then go to conferences where they have podcasting. They talk about podcasting and like one I'm going to be going to is podcast movement. It's in Florida this year. I think it's in August. It's in mm. Florida. It's going to be really hot and humid and everything, but oh well, we're going to be meeting great people. And so it's just, um, I know the people that run podcast movement as well. I met them mm. at another conference because of networking. And so anyways, it's, it's a great thing to do is just network as much as you can. Nice. That's a fantastic tip. Um, I appreciate that. We're going to switch the conversation a little bit because of course, as we mentioned before, it's all about being a dadpreneur, dad first, entrepreneur second. Dad also meaning, you know, taking good care of your wife and making sure that you build a great connection. Now, I saw you actually uh, have written a book with your wife, right? 
Yes, I sure did. That's fantastic. So um, it's about connecting with your wife or, or you know, building an, 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 an amazing marriage. Um, I can't, sorry, I forgot the title. Lasting marriage. Lasting marriage. That was it. Sorry. Thanks. That's okay. Um, so my question is, what kind of tips can you share from that book that you know are really good for dampeners out there to start taking action right away to build that marriage with their wife? That I love that question. Thank you. I really, really appreciate that question. So my firm belief is that if we as dads let our relationship go with our spouse, if we let that go, then our effectiveness as a dad lowers and decreases and diminishes because we're not with our spouse. And so some people might say, you know, you want to put your family number one. Well, I, I break it down a little more. So I believe in God. And so I put God number one because there's a higher authority above me. And so I believe in God. My wife mm -hmm. believes in God. So our first number one is God. Like we try to serve and take care of um, the things that God wants us to do. So we serve God. Number two is not our family lumped together, wife and you know, spouse and kids. It's my spouse. So number one's God. Number two is my spouse. I serve her. I take care of her. I love on her and I bless her before anything with my kids. So all like everything of me goes to my wife first. And then when our relationship is fulfilled, when our relationship is, is loving and she respects me and we feel like we're connected, when that happens, our kids see that and they want to emulate that and they feel loved because we as a family are loving and we're being respectful of each other and we're serving each other and we're blessing each other. And that translates on down to our kids. And so my opinion is you, when you think about your family, number one, you should look at a higher power than you like God or, or something that, that's higher than you. So you both have like, I am not God. And so I don't say, well, honey, I'm God. So you follow me. No, that's not the way it's supposed to work. You have something above you so that you're under submission because you want to be able to serve your spouse and your spouse is supposed to serve you as well. And I found the more I think about serving my wife and less about serving myself, and she does the same thing where she thinks more about serving me as opposed to think about serving herself. When we try to outserve each other and outbless each other, life gets so much better. And you can take that in every aspect of your marriage. Think about any bit of your marriage, communication, even sex, even just cleaning around the house, whatever it might be. If you try to outserve the other person and the other person has the same perspective, marriage gets so much easier and so much better. So that's my perspective is take care of your wife, number one, being a dadpreneur, take care of your wife, number one, and number two, then you're going to have your, your kids that are going to be taken care of because you have that solid family unit. Yeah, I like that. Um, so guess what question is next? <laughs> Go ahead. The same question you uh, you uh, uh, answer with that, Tom. Um, how have you served your wife? And, well, maybe it's still too early, but let's say yesterday. <laughs> yeah, so how I serve my wife is I look at, and this is something I would also suggest to any dad, any husband out there, actually any spouse, um, you know, like if, if, you're, if your wife is listening to her, you, you try to encourage your wife to do this, like any spouse, you should look at how your spouse receives love, how they receive affection, how they receive um, just nurture and um, uh, service. And so, so my 
number one love language, like the way I receive love is acts of service. Like when she's cleaning the house, when she's busy doing stuff, when she's being active, I feel amazing. Like I just like, my wife loves me. But if she's just laying around on the couch watching TV all day, I feel like it's just, it, just, it really, but that's just how I am. My wife is totally different and I'm a workaholic. I'll just keep working in, on my business. I'll just keep doing things, working around the house, but that doesn't fulfill her. Now, if it were me, it would make me feel good, but it doesn't fulfill her. So what I do with my wife is I realize my wife's number one love language, like how she receives love. There's two different ways. One is physical touch where I'm physically like next to her on the couch when we're watching TV, holding her hand, putting my arm around her and things like this, physically next to her. The other one is quality time, like physically spending time, not just like where I'm on the computer in the same room and she is reading a book on the same room. Not necessarily that. It's her version of quality time, however it is, where it's we're watching the same TV show together or we're working in, you know, clean up the kitchen together, whatever her version of quality time is, I give that to her. And here's the big key that I want to give everybody. And this is something I've implemented in my marriage that made marriage so much better is every single day, pick three things that you can do for your spouse every single day. Now, not huge things like go buy a brand new car or something like that. Nothing crazy. <laughs> but pick three things that you can do and your spouse can do every day for each other. I'll give you an example. So for me, my wife, and remember mine is acts of service, doing things for me. So when the, every day she makes the bed number one, obviously very simple, she just makes the bed. Um, I usually wake up more or first because I'm a morning person, she wakes up later. But anyways, she makes the bed number one. Number two, she has to get dressed for the day. Now being a homeschooler, not homeschooling mom and not having to go to work, she doesn't have to, she can wear her pajamas. But that makes me feel bad. I'm like, I want you to dress up, like look good for me. And so she does that. And then the another, another last thing is keeping the kitchen clean, like the kitchen sink. If the kitchen sink's clean, I feel like a million bucks. The rest of the house could look like a disaster, but if the kitchen sink's clean, I feel great. And so she does those three things for me. Now for me, what I do in turn for her, now this is every single day, what I do in turn for her with her quality time is number one, spend time with her after the kids go to bed, one-on-one -on -one time for at least an hour to two hours doing whatever it is that she wants to do. And usually it's like watching TV, just sitting on the couch together, hanging out. Um, another one is um, after like four or five o'clock, take the kids for an hour, just like take them and make sure that they're occupied. So they get out of her hair so she can unwind and, you know, do whatever she wants to do, go to the gym or whatever. And I do that as well. And another thing that I do, the third thing that I make sure that I do is always whenever I'm physically next to her, I'm always holding her hand. I'm always putting my arm around her. Like if I'm driving in the car, my arm's always around her. Um, it's just, I'm just trying to do my best to get as physically close and intimate as possible with touch because she receives love that way. So that would be my strong suggestions. Find three things that are going to help you to show your spouse love, affection, and blessing and you have your spouse do the same thing back to you. That's absolutely great suggestions. And it reminded me of the beginning when we were married, you trying to do your best, but you do your, what you're doing is your, you're projecting your love language and that's what you act on, right? Thinking that that's what the other person likes as well. Absolutely. <laughs> and that backfires. <laughs> it always does because they're like, oh, hey, Thanks, but that's not, no, that's not the response you want. You were like, this was so thoughtful. Thank you very much. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. So I really appreciate that. Um, it, it's great advice. And it's absolutely something, again, what I've mentioned earlier as well, 
if you hear something that that triggers with you make sure you take action don't just listen and say like oh that's that's great yeah i'm not doing that yet just take action and i really enjoy that so I'm, uh, everybody can hear it's my youngest he's crying they were at the playground i think something happened and uh, that's that's crying to me it doesn't sound like crying so that's that's awesome mine is like a streak a scream <laughs> so it sounds horrible so that okay. doesn't sound nearly as bad yeah well i think he got in trouble and he he can't go to the park anymore so um, oh there you go <laughs> but anyway um <laughs> And now it actually sounds like a, a, a like a, like a pig. Uh, so I, what I really like, and it's the last question because um, we're getting to the last five minutes. Um, you mentioned like, okay, first comes my wife, and I really, you know, we fill that up, we immediately make that complete, and then then come the kids, or did the kids just, you know, they get drawn to that positive energy, so to say, right? Absolutely. What are some of the things that you have noticed? um within your kids that they do that they've seen from you that you all of a sudden are like wow that's actually really amazing many things and what i love is when i see my kids do the things that i i either do in a good way it makes me feel good but when i see them do bad things that i do in a bad way because they're mimicking daddy that's not good so i try to get all that stuff out but mm. recently um so my daughter, my oldest daughter, her personality is she's a kind of strong personality mm -hmm. and she wants to prove her point. And so she tends to argue. She's 11 years old and so she'll start arguing and try to prove her point. And she doesn't realize that it's actually very disrespectful. And like mommy and daddy say, no, this is the way it is. Even if she's remotely right, it's like you don't argue. And so what I'm teaching, what I, I just, it was just last week. I'm tr she doesn't understand what arguing actually looks like and that she, or what she's doing is actually arguing. So what I had to do was I had to walk her through. And at the same time, not just her, I'm walking through every single one of my kids at the same time, setting them all down. Say, hey, everybody, when I was first married, I argued, or my your mom and I argued all the time. Like we were always arguing. And what happened was it made marriage rough. It made marriage very, very hard. And so as I'm talking to him, I'm explaining what had happened in the past. We'd argue back and forth and we wouldn't let it go. We wouldn't move on. And then I had helped them to realize, okay, but daddy learned you know, after a few years of being stupid and doing wrong things, daddy finally learned how I just need to move on. Like if I'm arguing, if I realize I'm arguing, just say, eh, it's not that big of a deal. Let's move on. Hey, let's just move on. And so I told them, I said, okay, I'm going to give you guys a quarter. The first person that realizes every single time, because you'll, you'll run realize that daddy does this, that when arguments start happening, because I'm trying to teach them all that arguing is not going to be beneficial. Um, when arguments start, when you see daddy say, hey, you know, it's okay. No big deal. Let's move on. When you see daddy, you're going to recognize because you're going to want a quarter, but you're also going to see, hey, daddy does this because it helps marriage and life be so much better because daddy says, this is not that I don't have to be right all the time. It's okay for me to say, you're right, or I'm sorry. It's because most men, it's hard for us men to say, you know, I'm sorry, or I was wrong. But I learned it makes life so much easier. I'm like, ah, you're right. That's fine. Let's move on. Even if I'm like only 1% wrong, I'm like, ah, I was wrong. You're, you're right. Let's move on. And my wife knows she's smart, just like any wife is. She knows that, hey, daddy is just being very, very loving right now and not continuing the argument. But I'm showing my kids this. And what's great is now they're actually watching for it. Daddy, you did this. I'm like, 
well, yes. Okay, here's a quarter. And so <laughs> they were really, really watching for it. And at the same time, um, like even if we're having just like a discussion back and forth, it's not arguing. And they, they they hear me say, ah, no big deal. Let's move on. They, Daddy, that's that you did it. And I'm like, no, that, well, that wasn't really an argument. But Daddy, you did it. Like, okay, here's a quarter. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm watching that. I'm I'm helping them to see by education, by talking with them all as a group. This is how we work together. So not just that, you know, and, and us raising our voices and realizing, hey, I'm sorry I yelled. But a big one that I want to tell everybody is I always reconcile with my wife in front of the kids. You know, it's easy. Arguments happen. Fights happen. And they happen anytime. And it can happen in the car when you're driving someplace and your kids listen to it. I make myself go to my spouse and go to my wife and say, kids, I want you to watch it. Sweetheart, I'm very, very sorry. You were right. And I was wrong. And I make sure that they understand that, hey, mommy and daddy, even though they argue, daddy is, daddy knows that, hey, marriage is so much, our relationship is so much more important than my pride. And so I go to that go to my wife and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Would you, you know, forgive me and I love you. And so they see that and they emulate that and we teach them how to do that as well. Nice. That was a great last answer for the show. I really appreciate you being on. So let me share again for people that want to, um, you know, see more about you, follow you, etc. This is the website, but what are other great ways to get in contact with you, to follow you? Or maybe there are some fathers out there that have been watching this and have some questions in regards to uh, lasting marriage or um, passive income, etc. Okay. Yeah. So I love talking with people. And so I love, I mean, hopefully it comes across like I just, I just enjoy it. I love, enjoy teaching. I love, love being able to share the things I've been blessed with. Like I'm fully blessed. And so masterpassiveincome.com is absolutely the way to find me at the very, very top. You're going to have a link that says, um, ask Dustin there. You can go ahead and put in the email in there and it'll send it, send it to me. Even if it's talking about marriage, I love talking. Like that's one of another, one of the things I love talking about is how to make marriage better because that's a very, very crucial thing in our lives. And so that's a way to get a hold of me. You can also find me master passive income podcast on iTunes and everywhere else out there as well. I have a YouTube channel as well, but, um, yeah, so easiest way is masterpassiveincome.com and get that free course out there, forward slash free course, get that for you. Great, man, I appreciate it. So again, Dustin, thank you so much for being on. As you mentioned, you're really focused on spending time where um, yeah, you can give value, but also, of course, spending the most time as possible with your wife and children. So I really appreciate you taking an hour out of your time to to share your inside experience with, with Become a Fearless Father audience. So thanks for that. Everybody else, if you were watching this, thank you. I appreciate you again. And I can't repeat this. I'm going to repeat it every single podcast that I do. It's nice that you listen, but please, what you learn, take out. If it's just one thing that you triggered you most, take action, take steps, no matter how small, as long as you take steps. All right. Thanks again. And have everybody have a fantastic rest of the day. Bye-bye. Thanks, Klaus. Are you still meeting up with your friends? Now that you're a father, kids making you stress out, you got no time for yourself to work out, read, relax. Can you still remember the time you were hanging out with your friends, feeling energetic, happy and confident, spending time together and talking about your life and your crazy dreams? You're feeling alone now, don't you? No one to share your challenges with and you're just running around from one storm into the next. 
or it's time to change this now. Join me and the Brotherhood of Fearless Fathers to speak on a weekly basis with like-minded dads to crush your challenges, face your fears with determination, be held accountable and regain control of your life. If you want to become the hero your family needs you to be, then go to becomeafearlessfather.com slash brotherhood. Looking forward to seeing you on one of our next calls.